Hi, this is Alex Grassi, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh-based hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. The song you just heard was called Ready to Go, which is the title track from the 2004 Shrapnel release from the band Bang Tango. It's the title track to that album. The reason we're listening to Bang Tango this uh, time around is that Bang Tango will be coming to town doing a benefit show for a man named Daryl Kunkel. Uh, the show is being uh, put on by Donnie Lawless Entertainment. It's at the Hard Rock Cafe on March 9th. The show starts at 7 o'clock. Tickets are $13 in advance. They're available through the Hard Rock Cafe's website. $15 at the door. Um, for that money, you are getting uh, four local bands, The Pulse, The Calamity, Alter Ego, and Access Denied, as well as two bands... Um, who have been uh, touring literally nonstop, I think, for the last 20 years almost, The Bullet Boys and Bang Tango. The Bullet Boys, you may remember, had some songs that were uh, pretty decent hits, uh, For the Love of Money, Smooth Up In Ya, Hang On St. Christopher. Bang Tango had a song called Someone Like You that was a pretty good hit before uh, grunge kind of came in and washed the scene away. We're going to be going into an interview I did this week with Alex Grazi, who is the current guitarist of Bang Tango, and has played with such bands as Quiet Riot, Skid Row, and Janie Lane of Warrant. So a very impressive uh, resume for Alex. He is also currently a member of Adler's Appetite, which is Stephen Adler's um, project that uh, tours and does um, primarily cover-to-cover. They do Appetite for Destruction, but they are working on some new material, which he discusses in the interview. So we're going to go right into the interview with Alex Grazi, and we'll be back with some more music. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line from lovely California, Alex Grossi from Bang Tango. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, apparently a lot warmer than you guys are back there right now. Yeah, well, yeah we are in the midst of hunkering uh, down for yet another round of snow showers here in uh, lovely western PA. We wanted to um, get on the phone and get uh, get people reacquainted with Bang Tango. You're going to be coming into town on uh, March 9th, I believe that is, the Hard Rock doing a charity show um, with the Bullet Boys, um, another great band out of the genre and a couple of local acts. So we just wanted to get in touch, talk a little bit about what to expect from Bang Tango now and, and kind of get a little background on what you've done because you've got a, a, a very impressive body of work under your belt for uh, such an early age. So can you kind of give us an idea of where you came from? I know you started in a band called Angry Salad, is that correct? Yeah, when I after I finished high school, I went up to Boston, um, and I went to I was actually attending Berkeley College of Music, and uh, through a mutual friend, landed an audition with that band Angry Salad, uh, and we toured for you know the early, you know better part of like ninety eight, ninety nine, and uh, at the end of the year, we ended up getting signed to Atlantic Records, put out an album, um, and then when AOL merged with Time Warner. You know, a lot of bands got dropped, including us. We got bought out of our second album, and uh, everyone else kind of went up, went on to get real jobs and, and stuck it up. And I moved out to California and started playing with a, a lot of the bands. Uh, one of them being Bang Tango. Um, I met Joe, I believe, in 2002, and we've been playing off and on ever since. We've done a, a couple albums together. I did the second Beautiful Creatures album, and um, I did the Ready to Go Bang Tango album, which we'll be playing some songs off of. Um, when we roll through town, and uh, we're actually doing another album right now as we speak. So, um, yeah, you know, I've been in, I've been in, you know, we this the the, the little uh, 
pool of musicians out here for this genre of music is very incestuous right down to we've not only been in a lot of the same bands we've been in a lot of the same girls you know it's it's very uh very very inbred if you will but um yeah i mean it's it's uh it's great to to be a part of it and um as far as bang tango now goes i mean it's just you know we're not trying to reinvent the wheel just you know as long as people keep showing up we'll we'll keep going out there and doing it it's bang tango yeah. for people who may not have may not have been listening to you guys for all the years. Um, like myself, I remember someone like you, and I believe I had one of the live albums along the way, but is it still kind of a cross between, like, hair metal and the Red Hot Chili Peppers? It's just kind of how I remember yeah. Yeah, I know it's got, you know, the, the bass lines. I mean, I had that kind of that funk face no more, you know, metal meets funk type thing. Um, yeah, the, the big guitars coupled with, the, you know, the... the um, the, the funk bass, yeah, the, the sounds are the same, and the majority of the set we do are the, are off the first two albums that people know the most, and then we do some of the newer stuff that Joe and I have written. But I'm um, no, the sound really hasn't changed. I mean, obviously Joe's the only, you know, original member, if you will. But I mean, we kind of keep it try to try to keep it as to a, you know as true to the old sound as possible because, you know, when you go to see a band, a lot of the people that come. They want to, you know, go back 20 years and, you know, remember what they, they had in their cassette player in 1990, you know? So we just try to do it that way, you know? Keep people happy. I'm kind of guilty of that. Now, speaking of uh, <laughs> fans that have gone through my cassette player, I, I was looking at some of the bands you've been in. You played with Kevin DeBro and Quiet Riot? Yeah, I was in the band. For, I, yeah, I, oh, I joined, I joined up with Dubrow in uh, 2003. Um, we did some, we did some solo dates, and then we did this thing called the Bad Boys of Metal Tour, which was quite an experience. It was Kevin Dubrow, uh, Janie Lane, Stephen Adler, and Joe Lestay, and I um, was, I, so I was suckered into playing guitar for all four bands. And then, uh, you know, at the end of that year, I ended up signing a contract, joining as Quiet Riot's full-time guitar player, and. and Played in the band pretty much right up until uh, actually right up until uh, Kevin's death in 2007. So that was uh, that was a great experience. Yeah, it was uh, definitely did a, we did a lot of shows toured all over the world, and those, uh, Kevin and Frankie both taught me a lot. I mean, that would be a trip playing with. I mean, I remember, um, you know, Quiet Riot was you know that Metal Health album was so important. You know, so I think the whole genre, I think it gets maybe yeah. lost in sometimes, but. I think a lot of people would have different lines of work if it wasn't for mental health. Yeah, I mean, it was the first, it was, it, it, it brought, I mean, that album literally knocked Thriller out of the top, the number one bill, you know, positioning on the billboard charts for, for one week. You know, if you look at it that week that it went number one, they're ahead of Lionel Richie and, and, uh, and Michael Jackson and bands like, you know, artists like that. So for, um, a bunch, you know, a bunch of scumbags from the Sunset Strip to, to achieve that, all of a sudden, you know, labels said, wait a second, there's, there's there's gold in them our hills, you know. So we uh you know, they uh <laughs> they definitely paved the way and in you know, playing those songs even even in two thousand six, two thousand seven, they definitely you know, those you can't deny that come on, feel the noise and, and bang your head, those those are anthems of that of that um particular generation of music. That they always will be, you know. Some work with Janie Lane, is that that is correct? Yeah, I, I just, he was on that tour. Yeah, Janie Lane of Warren. Yeah, formerly of Warren, actually. Um, yeah, we did. I did a handful of shows with him, and we did that tour. And you know, he yeah, he he definitely had his moments. You know, but he, I mean, guy's a really really talented songwriter, and uh, you know, he's he he again, you know, Cherry Pie is definitely one of those anthems too. And getting to play that song with him was was really cool. Always fun. Yeah, I think Janie always got kind of overlooked, it, but uh, I think I agree with you. He was a very good songwriter, a lyricist. Um, 
is a lot of his songs. I mean, Cherry Pie is kind of a different thing, but a lot of the songs, you know, tell a story. You know, and I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle, Even Uncle his cabin and, yeah. Yeah, very. Yeah, he's he's he. I think Cherry Pie because it was so over the top and so cliche, and the video was just so you know so chauvinistic. People you know overlooked the rest of you know his stuff and especially his newer solo stuff. Um, he had a big uh, a project called Jabberwocky. I don't, I'm sure, I don't even know if anyone's ever even heard it. I don't even know if it was ever formally released, but um, it's really good. I mean, the stuff could easily be on a Foo Fighters record or whatever, but uh, yeah, he's definitely, he'll always be that guy who wrote that Cherry Pie song, which, hey, it's not too bad. I mean, I'm sure those publishing checks are, uh, he ain't complaining about those, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know even his latest project, Saints of the Underground, uh, a phenomenal record, uh, very, very good sounding record. Doesn't, you know, I think it holds up well against a lot of other new artists. Now, you, uh, yeah, no, he's he's definitely he's definitely evolved like a lot of a lot of artists haven't, but he he seems to have evolved definitely. You um you also did some work with Skid Row briefly. I still yeah I did a couple weeks with them. I wouldn't consider myself ever being in Skid Row. I um uh, Snake Sabo has a lot of commitments outside the band, and he also had I, I guess had some sort of issue with his hand, and um you know Choir Riot had done a lot of dates with them. And when they needed a guitar player, my name came up, and I was on a plane a couple of days later, learning the songs on my off my iPod. And literally, the first show I did with them, it was in Canada, and you know how getting into Canada is. So we didn't even get a sound check, let alone a rehearsal. So the first time I played those songs with them was in front of about ten thousand people, opening for Sammy Hagar and Joan Jett with them. So that was definitely a rush. That was really cool, and they're 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 really fun guys. You know, Scotty, and I think Scotty Hill is definitely one of the most underrated guitar players of, of the 80s. I mean, that guy, the solo and I remember you, I put up, I put that up against pretty much yeah. anything that came out around the same time. Now, that is a very, very, very powerful solo. Now, are you just that quick of a learner that, uh, I mean, you get called on, or, I mean, I, you seem to well, do a lot of, like, spot work, and that's, that's got to be hard, learning, a, you know, an hour and a half set of somebody else's music that quickly. Well, I mean, with, with the Skid Row stuff, I, I grew up on it. So it's kind of like, you know, learning a song you've heard a million times and just, you know, you know the arrangement, you know where it's going to go. It's just a matter of going, okay, that's the key it's in. This is how long this goes. And it's it's really, with the Skid Row stuff, it wasn't wasn't all that hard because I was so familiar with it. It's really tough when you get handed an hour and a half of music you've never heard before. And then you, and you have to learn it. That's where it's... What separates the guys who are, you know, playing the cat club once a month and the guys that are rolling around on a tour bus, you know? That's, you know, that's what it comes down to. As of today, you are uh, obviously a, a member of Bang Tango. You, you perform with uh, Stephen Adler's Adler's Appetite as well, currently? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, that, that's, that's, actually, I just did two shows with them last weekend. We have a bunch more coming up. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm full-time guitar player for that band, um, and that's basically, it is what it is, Adler's Appetite, we do Appetite for Destruction, and um, we've just been in the studio the past couple weeks recording new material for an original EP to come out this summer. Um, okay. So it's, gonna, it's going beyond just being a, a, a full-on tribute cover band. Um, we've all been writing, because we all have you know, collective original projects that we've been kind of each contributing. You know, we have Chips Enough on bass, so he brings his thing in, and Michael Thomas on guitar along with me. Um, so we all kind of bring our, our own stuff in, and, you know, Stephen puts his groove behind it. And, I mean, it's it's it definitely sounds good. It's, it's something, it's not what you really expect, because, you know, the singer we have is not, 
he's not an Axl Rose clone. He's not trying to look and sound like Axl. He's got his own thing. His name's Rick Stitch. He sings for a band called Lady Jack, based out here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, it's coming along good. So hopefully we'll be able to throw some of that stuff into the set and get that, get that out soon. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a full-blown band whore, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I was... I caught some video of your performance. I, I believe it was from the Hard Rock in, in Las Vegas. I, I could be wrong on where it was, but it was on YouTube the other day. And, and I wasn't aware that Chip was in the band. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, whoa, Chip's enough back. You know, yeah, you can't, yeah he, doesn't, he doesn't exactly blend in, does he? Not now. I mean, I, I actually admit I, I was a pretty big fan of uh, Enough's Enough. Uh, I have several other CDs still that I listen to. And... Uh, yeah, it was good to see him. It was an interesting fit, though. But, you know, I wasn't somebody I would have maybe pictured to be the bassist in that group. But uh, you guys put uh, good good versions of those songs. That's really cool. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. He, him and Stephen Lockin very very well. They keep me in like they keep me and Michael in line musically. You know, I mean, uh, you know, because we're you know guitar players are all over the place, especially when you get essentially two lead guitar players in the same band going at it. Chip and Steven are like, they're like a rock. It's, it's really, he's really good for Steven. It's, it's, a, it's a good lineup. It's, like, it's definitely the best lineup Steven's had since, um, since he started the thing. Cool. Okay, so we're looking uh, bang, bang. One other question I do want to ask you before we go. You have, um, you've been with Paul Reed Smith for quite a while now. Do you have like a, a signature model or you play like a McCarthy? No, I, well, I, I, I have a signature model. The ones I play live, I, I, I went down to the factory a couple of years ago and designed uh, a signature model. That, that actually, I mean, it's not like it's first. I mean, you can order it through the custom shop, but it's, it's essentially a custom 22, but it's in paint glitter, and it's got a, an HFS pickup in the bridge. But on tour, I just use regular old custom 24s, the standard model. Um, I mean, obviously, they have custom paint jobs, but, um, yeah, they're really, you know, they're they're there's not much you have to change on those, you know, like most guys that get their signature model, like if you play the Dave Navarro one or the uh, Al Miola one or the Santana one, they're just slight variations on, on Paul's initial design, which, you know, is a, a huge testimony to what he came up with on his own. It's, there's not much to change on them, um, other than the paint. <laughs> yeah. And we had uh, Nick Catanese of Black Label Society on the show. No, yeah, I just hung out with him at the NAMM show. Yeah, he's got his new model out, yeah. Uh, praising how... how easy the company was to work with and, and what a great uh, product to deliver. I was curious. You know, you've been with them a long time. I mean, it's guitar endorsement still. Yeah, I've been with them for 11 years now. 11 years I've been signed with them. Awesome. Okay, so we'll be looking forward to your show. You're going to be, again, it's Bang Tango, Bullet Boys, and a couple of local bands uh, going to be playing at the Hard Rock Cafe on March 9th. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, man. Oh, thank you. No problem, man.
All right, that was a song called It Ain't Easy from Bang Tango from their 2004 release on Shrapnel Records, Ready to Go. We're going to now take a look at a band that is also on the bill at the Darrow Kunkel Benefit Concert on March 9th. This is a local band called The Calamity with a song called Jack of All Trades. Hope you enjoy the song and uh, get a chance to get out to the show. Tickets for the show are available um, if you go on myspace.com and search for Donnie Lawless Entertainment. He's the uh, mastermind behind the show. Tickets are $13 in advance, $15 a day of the show. I believe you can also get those at the Hard Rock Cafe's website. The show starts at 7 o'clock. Um, four local bands and then uh, the Bullet Boys and Bang Tango take the stage. So um, for 13 to $15, you're getting uh, quite a bit of uh, good rock and roll for the money. Uh, they will also be having a Chinese auction and some other fundraising things uh, to help Daryl's cause. So... Get out and uh, see the show if you can. This is The Calamity with Jack of All Trades. Jack! 